You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Regulators in Germany and the UK are the latest to ground the Boeing 737 MAX 8 jets following the second deadly crash of one of the popular planes in less than five months. This morning, the British joined a growing list of countries and airlines from China to Mexico, suspending the plane's operations. The UK Civil Aviation Authority is calling it a precautionary measure. Meanwhile, the Federal Aviation Administration in the U.S. said it didn't see a reason, not yet anyway, to ground the Boeing jets. And here at home, twice now, Transport Minister Mark Garneau says he will not take any action until the investigation is complete. So what do you think about Canada holding back? And would you get on one of those planes? This last hour, the Transport Minister said he was about to do that. He's probably on that flight as we speak. He says he has no problem. And by the way, if you decide you don't want to and you already have a ticket, the Flight Center Travel Agency says Canadian airlines are not waiving flight change or cancellation fees. So, Air Canada, WestJet, and other Canadian carriers have 41 of these models between them. We want to hear from you on how you are feeling about all of this. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we are going to Arthur Rosenberg, who is an aviation lawyer and analyst and British aviation expert, Max Kingley. Jones, Kingsley Jones, excuse me, who is the executive director of content at Flight Global. Gentlemen, thanks very much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Max, are you there? Hi. Yeah, hi. Okay. Let us start with Arthur Rosenberg, who is in New York. What is your take on uh, the FAA not grounding the planes? How do you see that? Well, in, in, in very broad terms, I'll say this, that the charter for the Federal Aviation Administration as the certifying U.S. agency for the 737 MAX 8 has a dual function, which some of the other aviation authorities in the U.K. included don't have as it relates to the 737 um, MAX 8. And that is, it's one for safety approved the certification of the airplane. It issued an amended type certificate for this particular model, 737. And the second, which is indicative of the world we live in, is economic. So what do we have? We have here two plane crashes in a very short period of time. I'm not going to get into the details, but the flight profiles are um, shockingly similar. The results speak for themselves. And there is something going on with the MCAS portion of the flight control system, this kind of invisible autopilot, which operates in the background to lower the nose of the airplane in flight conditions where it seems like the airplane may be about to engage in an aerodynamic stall. So um, there's enough here, um, in my judgment, um, you know, to side with the... um, UK Civil Aviation Authority, um, uh, Australia, China, and everyone else who has taken 
in an abundance of precaution, a wait and see on this airplane, which is not really going to take that much much time because the cockpit voice recorded digital flight data recorder from the Ethiopian Airlines plane. As we speak, the data is being downloaded. We'll have a much better handle on what's going on. So the end result, why take a chance with the traveling public? Why compromise the integrity and confidence of the traveling traveling public uh, in an airplane? And um, I agree that these planes should all be grounded for, for the short term. Let's bring in Max Kingley, Kingsley Jones. Uh, Max, do you think that the reason that the Europeans are grounding the planes and the Americans and also the Canadians are not is because Boeing is an American company? It's an interesting question. Um, I think really you've got to look at this as um, who the lead authority is on the aircraft. It, when the 737 MAX was uh, cleared for operation to carry passengers two years ago, it was the US FAA that approved the aircraft after an extensive uh, certification process. And all the airlines that took the aircraft took it on the basis that the Americans had approved it. And obviously people like Yasser do their own validation of that certification. But ultimately it's the, the FAA in this instance, and if it's an Airbus, it would be Yasser, that lead that program. So really, they know the aircraft inside out. And I take Arthur's point about the, the, the kind of maybe dual role of the FAA. But I don't know if the FAA would be able to sleep comfortably at night if they thought that another aircraft had crashed uh, and they hadn't reacted quickly enough. I know there's been times in the past where that's been a, an accusation put to authorities. But um, at this point, we have to assume that the FAA hasn't got any uh, concrete information that directly links the accident in Ethiopia to the, uh, the tragic loss last October in Indonesia. And I think really that should be the, um, you know, the, the guiding light for everyone else. Arthur Rosenberg, is it in fact, in your opinion, uh, because Boeing is an American company? Well, let, let, me, just, let me just tag on a little bit to um, Mr. Kingsley Jones' comments. Um, you know, first off, um, the certification process for an airplane, in this case it was an amended type certificate, not a new type certificate. The manufacturers, the, the, the Boeings, the Lockheeds of, um, of, of this world, they control pretty much all of the data and access to know-how that the Federal Aviation Administration reviews in making a determination or whether they're going to approve the airplane or not. Now, I'm not saying that Boeing completely usurps the authority of the FAA. They certainly don't. But through the control, through the funnel of information that Boeing has access to, they can control the decision-making process to a large extent of the FAA. Now, I've been dealing with this for, for decades, more years than I can to admit on air. And, and I'm here to say that as the approving authority for this airplane, that the economic ramifications to Boeing, I mean, look, you just have to look at what's going on in the U.S. stock market. The, the, in the last few days, the stock's, Boeing's tanked, you know, 10, 15 percent of its market cap. The, the consequences are substantial. Now, to the airlines that are using, the U.S. carriers using this plane, they're also substantial. They have American Airlines, um, Southwest, uh, Alaskan Air. I mean, there, there are numerous others. Now, when you switch over to the other side of the pond and the countries that are flying the airplane, 
but have just relied on the authority of the FAA um, with regard to the approval of the airplane, their perspective and the prism through which they look is a little bit different. So the fact that they've grounded the airplanes, I think in an abundance of, of precaution is the right thing. But, you know, they too, you have to look at some of the um, filtering factors there. You know, um, the U.K. Um, um, Airbus has a competitive airplane to the 737 MAX 8 in the form of the A320 and the, air, and the, and the models of airplanes around it. Uh, China, who's... Um, who won't fly the 737 MAX 8 now, has a, has a competitive plane coming online. We live in a complicated world where decision-making is multifaceted. And here, I completely understand why the FAA hasn't issued an emergency airworthiness directive vis-a-vis the Ethiopian air crash. But in my professional opinion, in looking at the flight profile of the two planes, while certainly not exactly the same, there's enough similarity here to scare the hell out of me to the point where for someone who's a pilot and engineer and has been litigating for a long time, I would not recommend, certainly for myself, my family, or friends, to get on this airplane until the unknown is made certain and we know what the hell's going on with this plane. And, and Arthur, what do you think of our transport minister, uh, former astronaut Mark Garneau? Uh, he's on one of those planes as we speak, and Canada has followed the U.S. lead. You know, we have 41 of those planes. Would you think that's the reason? Well, I I mean, look, if you're going to play the odds, there are thousands of these flights going on every day. I mean, if you go to uh, Flight Radar, um, which which is an accessible app to the public, you can filter out and look at just about every 737 MAX 8 that's flying on the planet, and they're, they're all over the place. So the odds are that you're going to get to your destination safely and comfortably on one of these planes. But we know that within short order, two of these planes, shortly after takeoff, um, uh, I think it was 12 minutes for uh, the Lion Air and six minutes for the Ethiopian Air uh, plane, Shortly after takeoff, the planes were being cleaned up, flaps up, gear up, autopilot on. Something happened with the flight control system of this airplane. Both crews reported we're having flight control system problems. We want to return to the airport. And then the next thing you know, they enter a steep dive with the Ethiopian airplane, by the way, which came down almost vertically, nose down. I've never seen an impact crater quite like this. And... Why, why play the odds and why take a chance if you, if you don't have to? There are safe alternatives and um, they should be used. Max Kingsley-Jones, uh, the airline has said it's sending out a software update. But I think in the same breath, they also said not that there's any problem with, with the software. What is your view of that? Well, it's interesting um, that... You mentioned that because I was, I was reading about that just now, actually, which uh, was announced, I think, overnight um, for the UK anyway yesterday. And that's, it, was, it was actually something that's been in development since the Lion Air accident. I mean, interestingly, you could go back to that accident and say, um, although it was only one accident, there was enough questions raised by that that perhaps, if it turns out there are connections with the uh, accident in uh, Ethiopia, that they should have dealt with the uh, situation very differently. Perhaps they should have temporarily grounded the fleet last year. Perhaps they should have um, issued some emergency ADs that, that uh, required rapid changes to the, um, to the aircraft systems rather than 
Um, but you could argue that would be rushing the, uh, the fix, but at the same time, if it turns out that there, there is a connection, then there'll be a lot of questions asked about that. But this software is actually dealing with some, um, some known problems with the system, uh, but they think they had addressed all that by um, asking operators of the uh, 737 MAX to ensure that their flight crew were fully appraised of the system and how to identify the sort of spurious information that was causing the system to malfunction that led to the Lion Air accident. And interestingly, prior to that accident happening, uh, there was a mixed response from pilots. Who, sorry, post that accident happening, I discovered that prior to it, different airlines had had different philosophies around how they trained the pilots or didn't to deal with that NCAS system that, uh, that Arthur mentioned, which is this... Um, it's an automation system that operates actually when the aircraft's being flown manually. And it's effectively, if it was an Airbus, it would be called an envelope protection system. But as it's an old technology Boeing uh, aircraft where it's a manual flight control system, it's actually um, effectively automation coming into the manual control loop, which is a novel uh, philosophy in itself, actually. Okay, let's take a very quick call from William in Toronto. Hi, William. Hi, Liv. Uh, I'm going to put forth my totally lame and uninformed conclusion and comment based on what I've heard on mainstream radio thus far, and your guests haven't said anything about it uh, thus far either. It seems like the, the computer system and the software and the technology is highly sophisticated on the Max 8, and uh, it seems the pilots uh, that fly it were not trained to... Uh, work with the system. Well, I, I think, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, William. Uh, I think Max just ad- addressed that. But, uh, yeah, there seems to have been a software problem. No, um, there is a more than a software problem. It's training of the pilot. Uh, that's not a software problem. Pilots were not trained, and they did not know that they can turn it off. Uh, and uh, they were not told that they can turn off the system. So it's a battle uh, from what I understand, it's a battle against the pilot and the system, and uh, and disaster took place. Okay, and, uh, thanks for that. If, if you'd okay. like, I can I can field that. Maybe I could help out with that. Okay, yeah. Very quickly, we've got to take a break, though. Uh, we are going to continue with you. So, uh, Arthur, just can you address that, please? Yeah, very quickly. I I can just tell you that that there are there are basically two schools of thought on this. One, at least one of the airline pilots associations in the U.S. and some of the airlines have been pretty adamant that the operating manual did not contain sufficient information to first educate flight crews about the MCAS system and certainly didn't provide enough procedures on, on how to deal if it failed. What, what Boeing analogized to was what we call in the industry a runaway trim condition, but without getting into the details, that is dramatically different than what faced this flight crew on Lion Air and may indeed have faced the flight crew on Ethiopian Air. Okay, Uh, we'll pick up on that after the break, but right now uh, we are taking a commercial break and we'll be right back with Max Kingsley-Jones and Arthur Rosenberg. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. 
Welcome back. We are talking about the terrible crash in Ethiopia on the weekend. A very long list of countries have grounded that plane, the Boeing 737 MAX 8, because the plane was also involved in a previous crash five months ago in Indonesia. And question out there is, would you get on one of those planes? One of our guests, Arthur Rosenberg in New York, has said no, he would not. Max Kingsley Jones, would you get on one of those planes? Uh, yeah, I, I would do, actually. Um, as, of, as of today, with the airplane still having its CFA from the, uh, from the FAA. Um, just very quickly, actually, I'd just like to pick up a point on, I know Arthur dealt with it as well, that the caller made. Um, it's a very interesting point about the, the confusion that there seemed to be in the Lion Air cockpit. And as Arthur said, the, the runaway trim scenario, which Boeing thought would cover the scenario that happened with the, the NCAS mis, misbehavior or mis, misfunction. Um, what this does raise a concern about if there is a link with, with Ethiopian is that the, the initial um, advisory put in place after Lion Air, which was supposed to tackle that issue and raise and highlight the, um, the problem that could, could arise with uh, erroneous data or corrupted data coming into the cockpit um, would be questioned now because if this aircraft has been lost as a result of a similar malfunction and the crew hadn't identified it, then it would question, raise questions around the, 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 the kind of fix that was, um, was issued last year after Lion Air. But obviously we don't know what, what actually played out yet in Ethiopian. Arthur Rosenberg, how long do you think it will take before we have a handle on exactly what went wrong? Well, um, I could say this, that I, I, I know for a fact um, that Boeing and the FAA are under tremendous pressure um, to get this right as quickly as possible. So... Um, from an investigatory standpoint, the, the keys to the kingdom lie in the data that is being retrieved from the digital flight data recorder and the audio recordings um, on the cockpit voice recorder. Not only the, uh, the speaking words, uh, if any, spoken by the flight crew, but they hear that those microphones are very sensitive. They hear uh, sounds of, um, of switches being moved. Um, controls, surfaces being moved, uh, engine sounds, warning, warning sounds. And when you, when you put the pieces of the puzzle together from those two sources of information, I think they'll get a, an excellent picture of, of exactly what happened on that tragic flight. And then they'd be in a position to compare it uh, to Lion Air and uh, make the determination if there are similarities in the, in the two failure modes. And, and again, how long do you think that will take? I think it's going to happen pretty quick. Um, uh, pretty quick, I say, equals uh, less than a week. Max Kingley, Kingsley Jones, do you uh, agree with that? And uh, what do you think the impact will be? These uh, all of these countries grounding the airlines. Do you see that as a very temporary thing? Uh, so on on the uh, the time to to decode the data recorders. Uh, I'm not absolutely clear. Maybe the answer is what the relationship is at the moment between the NTSB, which has obviously sent representatives, and the Ethiopian authorities that are doing the investigation. And there was a bit of uh, history around uh, accidents involving Ethiopian because they had an accident about nine years ago uh, coming out of Beirut where they disputed the findings of the lead authority there, which was obviously the Lebanese. 
and uh, the Lebanese plane Pilot Error. Uh, it's a 737-800, so not, obviously not this type of 737. And so I would imagine, well, you could see a scenario, let's say, put it that way, where the Ethiopians would be very keen to make sure they are in fully in control of uh, the, the data that's coming off those data recorders. And how that will play out, I don't know, um, with the NTSB. Uh, but going to the other question on the grounding, um, it's interesting, we were talking about this in our office, about when you ground an aircraft, you need an exit strategy, you need to know, um, once you've thought through the grounding, what are the consequences and how does it play out? Well, the exit strategy, to my mind, is that there has to be uh, either clarity very quickly from the Ethiopian inquiry, or if there is clarity and it looks like it's a similar problem, um, it could be a long, lengthy grounding until Boeing and... Uh, the FAA have decided how they're going to um, address the problem and make sure the aircraft is safe. Hmm. And Arthur Rosenberg, we uh, only have uh, less than a, a minute left, but do you see a problem uh, with uh, who, who is in control of the data and uh, the Ethiopians versus the FAA? Well, I, I don't think that the Ethiopians have the level of uh, sophistication um, required you know, A, to download the data competently and then to make uh, judgments about it. But um, I, I think because of the, the global economic um, ramifications of, of these two tragedies, um, I, I think the, any animus or um, a political interference between the NTSB, the FAA, Boeing, Ethiopian authorities, and anybody else, I, I truly believe that they're going to work together to at least come up with um, uh, some... Um, idea of what happened, a solution about what happened, and of course the final report, um, well, you know, we're probably a year or two away, but this will be resolved long before that. Okay, well, let's hope so. Thank you so much. We're probably going to have to revisit this topic soon enough. Thank you again, Arthur Rosenberg in New York, and Max Kingsley-Jones in the UK. Appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 